Tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrell pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing. Man. And that's remarkable. Alex, I'd like to start this week with a uh, self-indulgent hypothetical. Does that sound okay to you? So in other words, a hypothetical that we usually start the podcast off with. Correct. Exactly. Okay. So I was listening to uh, Effectively Wild earlier today. The interview that they did with NVenue CEO and founder, Kelly Pratt. I hope I'm pronouncing her name right. This has been much discussed in the baseball world in the last couple of days. This this company, NVenue, who provides the predictive statistics on the Apple TV Plus broadcasts, which those broadcasts, you'll remember, were a, were a big talking point in the offseason that they were going to exist. Now, without getting into the whole controversy over NVenue and the stats that they provide, uh, long story short, some, some baseball people are questioning the validity of those stats and probabilities that they provide on the broadcast. Um, it got me thinking, whether listeners of this podcast could put together a predictive model for what you and I are going to talk about. <laughs> and you know what? I thought about it for a couple of minutes and I came to the conclusion that it wouldn't be that hard nope, for listeners to do. <laughs> it's like those Twitter accounts, right? There's like, there's like AI generated like drill tweets and AI generated New like Times New York Times bot. pit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ours would be pretty easy. I mean, we also a couple of years ago we had a we had a listener who made a bingo board for for each episode of tipping pitches. And that was really just one step removed, right? So is this a good thing or a bad thing? So on one hand, you know, glass half full, we give the people what they come here for. Yeah. They know what to expect and no we su- provide no surprises. That for them. Exactly. We're like in and out. You know what's on the menu. <laughs> You might be able to go off menu if you really are a hardcore fan and you're going to love it. It's going to be consistent no matter what in and out you go to. But on the other hand, are we too predictable? Do we need to mix it up? Do we need to do we need to spend 25 minutes before our interview with pup guitarist Steve Sledkowski talking about the TOPS plus of Eduardo Escobar just to keep people on their toes? Right, but is would that be like in and out introducing like a southwestern burger you know like a hot dog right like something that no one asked for and is so far out of their lane that the people are like hey stick to what you know Mm -hmm. maybe a shake shack introducing a mushroom burger or shake shack introducing something that's under 15 (laughs) dollars this is a pro in and out podcast if you if you couldn't tell um Okay, so so no, we're we're fine where we are, is what you're saying. But yes, I think we are. Re- before we move on entirely mm-hmm. from that that topic that you mentioned, and venue, and and the the absolute grilling that they received from one Ben Lindbergh and Meg Rowley, our friends, our good friends. 
Are I we... listened to that interview. I listened to that interview and I was like, damn, that's how you do a real interview. <laughs> <laughs> Something that we could never do here. Right. I don't really think we uh we grilled Steve to the extent uh that maybe that Steve feels did. differently. That's true. We we did put him on the spot about walkout songs. Anyway. But I guess I'm just wondering, are we sure that that company exists? No. Like, I obviously, they exist to an extent where they have a website and there is someone who uh, can, <laughs> so can go on and, <laughs> and make podcast appearance, right? They, they exist to the extent that Apple and Major League Baseball said yes. Are you suggesting we, that we will- she was an actor? Kelly Pratt appearing on Effectively Wild had been hired to act on behalf of whatever and venue is out to do. Not necessarily, but Kelly Pratt crisis actor theory begins today. Like I feel like I'm I'm going to get in trouble for for saying all this. Like I don't want to actually slander them and say she's Elizabeth Holmes, but like you know. So I I, I know what you're getting. Has at. anyone seen inside the black box? No, the answer is no. And repeatedly on that Effectively Wild interview, they tried to not even see inside the black box, just confirm that there was something inside the black box. Right. That was something other than the man behind the curtain just pressing a number for what the probability of a hit on any specific at-bat might be. Yeah. And I don't know if she effectively proved that there is anything inside the black box other than that. I don't know. I mean, this this all makes no sense if you haven't heard this interview or... If you haven't at least followed along in a Twitter thread of what happened with NVenue last week. But we will link to it in the description where you yeah. can go listen to this full interview or you can read Ben Clemens' piece on Fangraphs. Like I said up top, there's a company that is providing real-time probabilities of certain outcomes on Apple TV Plus broadcasts. And that company has come under question from a lot of the baseball sabermetrics community because some of their predictions are not holding up to some of the most well-known and time proven things that we know to be true about baseball like it being a better it being better for you when you're ahead in the count (laughs) which (laughs) is pretty widely accepted it's also i think maybe worth pointing out that this is largely designed to aid betters right this is not them trying to just come up with a different model to make predictions and projections but it's intended to be used for someone who may want to bet on outcomes pitch to bitch at bat to at bat etc or or the reverse to sell to a casino and then you bet against this thing right which it would have to be a little better at doing its job for in order for a, t- a casino to want to purchase it but yes um it's fascinating i recommend if you like this show and maybe you're not even a big stat head I still recommend going to Effectively Wild and listening to this. I imagine a lot of people who listen to the show already listen to Effectively Wild. They've been doing it for so much longer than us. They're, of course, one of our inspirations for starting the show. But uh, go check it out if you haven't. Baseball is fucking weird. It's in a weird place. Major League Baseball, the company, and the exhibition of Major League Baseball games are in a strange, strange place. Yeah. Um, okay, we have a few things to talk about before our interview with, like I said, Steve Slidkowski from Pup. Um, where we had a great conversation with him about about baseball, the state of MLB ownership, which he has a lot of thoughts on, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays, the life of a touring musician, how it compares to maybe minor league baseball, and a lot of other things. So please stick around for that. But we're going to talk about Gabe Kapler. We're going to 
try to make sense of Jock Peterson and Tommy Pham and ultimately fail. Uh, and then, of course, we have to give a status update on our friend Artie Moreno. But before we do all of that, I am Bobby Wagner. I am Alex Basley. And you are listening to Tipping Pitches. Before court reporter Alex shares the latest in the Angels bribery scandal, we have to say a quick thank you to all of our new patrons this week. A reminder for you, you can sign up for our Patreon at patreon.com backslash tipping pitches, where there are three tiers that provide you various different things at each tier. All of them provide you access to our Slack, where we have been discussing things such as the end venue interview slash scandal, where we've been discussing the Tommy Fam, Jock Peterson altercation, the very good New York Mets, anything that you might want to talk about, you can talk about in the Tipping Pitches Slack. You can get access to that on our Patreon. Thanks to new patrons, Emily, John, John, spelled differently, Eric, Nat, David, and Peter. Alex, last week we spoke about the mayor of Anaheim, which you might not expect to hear about on a baseball podcast, except for if that mayor allegedly accepted bribes to sell land around one of the 30 Major League Baseball team stadiums to a company headed by one of the 30 Major League Baseball owners. Well, um, not 24 hours after we released that podcast, when Harry Sidhu, the mayor of Anaheim, he uh, stepped down amidst the FBI investigation. Your, your comment. How does it feel to take down a mayor on a podcast? Right. What is, what is the, the R squared? On this, right? What's the correlation? It's not low. Can we contract and venue to figure that out? Oh, man. I mean, we saw this coming, right? As soon as yeah. a mayor ends up at the center of a a federal corruption probe headed up by the FBI, I, I feel like you, you're kind of done. You're kind of toast. Yeah. Even if, you, even if your name is clear, the, just the blowback from that makes it very hard for your political career to ascend. Right. Exactly. As as we mentioned last week, the the deal around Angel Stadium, which has involved Artie Moreno buying the land and plenty of acreage around it from the city, has had you could say a, a tumultuous few years. Yeah, turbulent. And, and it has it's a it's a negotiation that has lasted across, I think three mayorships at this point. Harry had to make himself stand out, of course, by, by garnering the corruption probe, right? But following Mayor Sidhu's uh, decision to resign on Monday, the, the Anaheim City Council voted unanimously on Tuesday to, to stop the sale on stop Wednesday. Stop the sale! <laughs> uh, on Wednesday, Artie Moreno uh, and his uh, unknown partners Really just, really just the team. The Angels came out and said, we've agreed. Uh, at this point, maybe it's probably not in the best interest for us to make a deal with a mayor who just resigned. Mm-hmm. So they stepped back from the $325 million deal, which is obviously um, a, a blow to Artie Moreno himself and, and maybe not many other people. I don't know. It seems like a blow to all of those people who love to fanboy over the battery in Atlanta or Wrigleyville in Chicago. That seems to have a constituency. 
But when you look at it from the beforehand, it really only seems like it benefits one guy. Right. And obviously, a, a central tenet of this deal was going to be the affordable housing that was going to have to be uh, built on this property that was at the center of an attorney general's probe into it, the, the California you know, Department of, of Housing's probe uh, into the deal. Probes above replacement, dude. The Angels aren't first in many things, but they are first in federal and state-level probes. Yeah, that might Ricketts, even be true. Ricketts they might have to up, up their game. They might even be getting outpaced by the Dodgers in another category. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, all that to say, the, the deal is on hold for the foreseeable future. Given what it took to get to this point, I, I don't think we see... I, I don't see an easy path to a deal coming anytime soon. Any ne- next deal is just going to be under so much scrutiny and the price of it is going to be so intensely watched because, of course, people think that the reason that the price was what it was is because the mayor was... It's unclear who who's really thought to be at fault here, but from my understanding of the reporting around the situation, the mayor was the one who was sort of soliciting the bribes. And whether or not, you know, the underlings of the sale were happy to give it, it's it's sort of impossible to tell from the outside. But that would lead you to believe that the $325 million that this land was sold for is not the fair market price. Right. Which, it, I mean, it it's worth pointing out that there were no other bidders because it was never put on on the market. Right. Yes. Like like they they came to a deal before they even technically started negotiating, which I don't know. That's hey, I'm not well versed in local politics around urbanism and affordable housing and such and real estate. But you're not that unversed. But I'm not too unversed. <laughs> not unversed enough to to not have that raise a red flag. Yes. Um, you and the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Okay, that was sort of a coda to our conversation about this last week. If you missed that, we we spent a, a good amount of time talking about this last week because I think it's pretty indicative of the weird financial state that baseball teams, the corporations that are baseball teams, find themselves in where it actually makes sense and is necessary for a team to potentially bribe a mayor and for that mayor to then have to step down. Um, it's just weird that this is the world that we live in, but I think it's important to understand when we talk about the broader economics of the game as we do so often here. Um, and, and you know what, we'll be taking suggestions for who to turn our attention to next, you know, (laughs) where the, the tipping pitches political machine is well in motion. Are you trying to solicit a bribe right now? Are you trying to solicit a bribe? Do you want to find yourself like Harry's to do? Can I plead the fifth on that one? (laughs) Parody, 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 uh, parody. Um, okay, so so from very complicated real estate deals to something even more complicated, fantasy football, Alex. Um, I don't know where to start with this, if I'm being totally honest. Tommy Pham slapped Jock Peterson supposedly over a, a disagreement in fantasy sports. This has been... This has kind of held the baseball Twitter sphere captive for the last five days, but also makes no sense to really delve into on a podcast because we don't know either side of this. But it felt weird to just go by without mentioning it. It's been so present. I think the fact that we can't make heads or 
details of it suggests that it might be the most important thing we talk about this year. <laughs> <laughs> forget bribes, forget real estate. Did Jock B- Peterson run afoul of the Fantasy Football League rules? It's unclear. From his perspective, it doesn't seem like he did, right? But but as you mentioned, prior to a game between the, the San Francisco Giants and the Cincinnati Reds, Pham and Peterson were in the outfield. Having- Raise your hand if this was the thing that taught you that Tommy Pham was on the Cincinnati Reds. <laughs> I'm raising my hand right now. Anybody else? Thank you. Please only raise one hand if you're currently driving. I I like the implication that there are folks out there who would raise both hands to answer that question. Maybe you just you really didn't you know really that he was on no the Reds. Idea. You're like me, me, it's me. Call on me. <laughs> Look over here. <laughs> after after some sort of uh, uh, verbal dust up, as you mentioned, Fam slapped Peterson. Peterson did not retaliate. It does not seem, but but both teams sprinted towards the outfield to assess the the hullabaloo and and after the game Peterson came out and and gave a very lengthy explanation right as almost to, too detailed right it, it, the clip itself is three minutes long of him <laughs> talking about what happened he violated some rules potentially maybe with regards to stashing players on his bench and using the injured reserve as a means of doing so look i'm i'm in no position to make a judgment anyway in this situation I my am. biggest my yeah yep if the player was on injured reserve in real life then you can put him on injured reserve in fantasy if he was not you can't that's the rule no matter what the precedent in your league was that should be the rule i mean it it right i mean it feels like if if the player was eligible to be put on the injured reserve, then you can do it. Then you can probably do that. If yeah. the system that you're using, like Yahoo or whatever, let you do it, then you can do it. That's yeah. my take. Right. Seems like Tommy Pham probably shouldn't have slapped Jock Peterson over this. But, <laughs> you know, people put a lot of money. We talk a lot about betting on this podcast. People put a lot of money on fantasy sports, man. Right. Well, and Pham said as much, right? He said, look, I'm a high roller at casinos, man. Which, Tommy. Tommy, Tommy, let's have a talk. <laughs> I guess the, the biggest thing I can't wrap my head around is that it's the end of May. The, the football season, as it were, yeah. ended three months ago. And given that this likely happened in season, there's a decent chance that Tommy Pham has been stewing on this for right. six months. Right. Well, supposedly, the other part of this was that Fam felt that Peterson had since escalated the situation by sending some 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 jabs in the group chat about right. the, the 2021 San Diego Padres, of which Tommy Fam was a member of. Yeah. And so that was just an offense that Fam could not let stand. Insulting right. the 70 and 92 2021 San Diego Padres. I just, this whole thing feels so surreal to even say out no, loud. I know. Like, I'm not convinced that this isn't just an elaborate bit, you know, a la uh, Rat Raccoon Gate um, yeah. of, the, of the noted Francisco Lindor, Jeff McNeil uh, dust up. Mm-hmm. There was a really funny moment on 
the last episode of Batting Around where they 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 were trying to remember that little um dust up from the 2021 uh-huh. Mets but they only knew like kind of 60% of it. And so they were trying to get themselves all the way there. And then one person would remember one more thing and then the next person would remember one more thing. And they still kind of didn't really get the whole story right, but it was close enough that it was hilarious. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. The details in that situation don't matter. Don't right? matter you at could, all. No, I mean, you they were literally made up. You, like the details right, were made up. Yeah. So, and and like Peterson's delivery to reporters about the story after the game is so good. He's he does so, not he does not break character <laughs> once in his retelling of he, the story. He just looks ridiculous at this point of his life. Just his 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 hair choices, his wardrobe choices. They're not like helping the story go away. Right. To put it lightly. <laughs> I saw someone say that he looked like Caillou. <laughs> um I, yeah, I don't I don't know. If you ever get to the point where you want to slap me over fantasy sports, just I'll pay you the money. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. I commit to that on this podcast. Do not ever let yourself get to the point of wanting to fight me over fantasy sports. Yeah. I'm not sure I could let myself get that heated over what is effectively the the performance of someone else. Yeah. You know? Like but at the end athletes, of the-, the funniest thing is that in my experience, this is obviously anecdotal, but in my experience, man, athletes take fantasy sports arguably seri- more serious than fans. Yeah, like if you're either a retired, says. if you're either a retired athlete or you're an athlete playing another sports fantasy sport, they take that shit so seriously, man. With a lot of money on the line, so I don't know. Which is probably the, bit, the, the, the biggest difference. Yeah. Yes, exactly. We have like ten dollars on the line, or like I exactly. don't know if you're it's, it's, if it's a league that you really trust the people in like a hundred dollars. I don't know. Um, from Jock Peterson to uh, his manager Alex, we we're gonna get to our conversation with with Steve uh, in just just a couple minutes. But got some news this past week, some interesting news uh, in the form of a blog post and then subsequent interview from San Francisco Giants manager Gabe Kapler about the state of America, I guess, and his choice to not take the field for the national anthem. Kapler wrote a a long and I th- I think well thought out and well defended blog post about why he felt like he no longer wanted to come out onto the field for the national anthem. Now we're in this we're in this post Colin Kaepernick world where this is sort of a shorthand for uh, a form of protest that that is meant to widely criticize the state of something in our country is an anthem protest. And Kapler knows this. I think he even discussed this a little bit in the blog post. It was immediately sort of part of the conversation after the fact that San Francisco Giants manager, former San Francisco 49ers quarterback. And in this specific instance, Kapler was referring to the horrific school shooting that happened in Texas last week. And the fact that, we seem to be at this point where politicians have no interest in ever addressing mass shootings in this country. And so Kapler, I'll play a little bit of his audio here um, about why he felt that this was the proper way to, to address what's going on right now. Yeah. I I just don't, I don't plan on coming out for, for the anthem going forward until I feel like um, there's, I, I feel better about the direction of our country. 
So that that'll be the step. I don't I don't expect it to to move the needle necessarily. It's just something that um, I feel strongly enough about to to take that step. I think I the rest of what I wrote I think explains the rest of that. Yeah. I was having a hard time um, articulating my thoughts the day of the shooting and um, the day we went out there on the line. And sometimes for me, it, it takes me a couple of days to put everything together. I knew I was, I knew that I was um, not in my best space mentally, and I knew that it was in connection um, with some of the hypocrisy of standing for the national anthem and, and how it coincided with the moment of silence and how those two things didn't sync up well for me. But I wasn't quite sure. I, I couldn't make sense of it in real time. And this it is sort of, I, of days to it's tough to talk about this because and, and on the one hand, I think a well-considered protest in sports is a very powerful thing. On the other hand, I think when when someone in sports organizes a protest, particularly someone on the management side organizes a protest, I have, I reserve some skepticism for what the actionable item is from that protest. And that's not even to say that all protest needs to have a, a direction that you're trying to lead in, because I don't, I don't think that's true. I think you can protest from a, a place of anger, from a place of fear, from a place of sadness, and you don't necessarily know what you want to do or to come out of this protest especially at the beginning, and it might evolve into something more. But I think I, I bring a healthy skepticism to when someone comes out and wants to protest in this way, because ultimately, what are you trying to accomplish? And what are you willing to do to accomplish that aside from this form of protest? And with Kapler, unfortunately, the, that reservation was pretty quickly confirmed when just earlier today as we sit here and record this on sunday he said that he would still come out for the anthem on memorial day because he felt like that's a special kind of day in this country and he didn't want to disrespect the anthem on memorial day versus other days and and i don't want to crush kapler too hard because i think he is a probably a person I think he's very likely a person who is deeply affected by what's going on in our country. And I think that he wants to use his platform to affect change and to bring attention and awareness and make people feel uncomfortable, which was the initial point of the Colin Kaepernick anthem protest. But then when you immediately are like, I'm going to come out and stand with my hand over my heart during God bless America. I'm going to come out during the national anthem on Memorial day. It just feels like a, a little bit of an on the fence protest. Right. If, if you're carving out exceptions for your protest within like, less than a week of when you started it, it's like you could argue that the the protest on Memorial Day means more for precisely the reason that he is say, saying, right? Precisely because it is deemed such a patriotic day, there's room for you to have impact there, right? And you're going to ruffle some feathers. You absolutely are. Do not go over to Fox News and see what they're saying about Gabe Kapler right now, right? Like, like alt-right dipshits are having a meltdown over this. But it just strikes me as, as maybe not being so resolute in your principles as you initially set them out to be. 
like the point of protest is to make a scene to make people uncomfortable right mm-hmm. if you if if your protest is not actively flying in the face of power flying in the face of tradition it it it's probably not doing what it's set out to do you know does that make sense yeah and if you dig under it a little bit more the point of protesting is to disrupt something you're either disrupting the the normal flow of traffic in a city as you march and and get your point across about whatever that is or you march to someone's you march to the mayor's house and try to affect change that way and in baseball what what is Gabe Kapler trying to disrupt by doing this protest he's trying to disrupt the normalcy of playing the national anthem that the, the routine that we do in this country which is playing the national anthem before every single sporting event and now a lot of people who are not from the United States think that that is very weird that we do that. I think that I count myself among that camp of people. Um, and and by protesting during the anthem, by not coming out and then saying that what you're doing is this is an active protest. There's not another reason that you're not coming out during the national anthem. You're trying to disrupt that so that people think, well, why is he doing that? And you could provide them an explanation and then let them let them sit with that explanation and let them think critically about what Europe's so upset about, which I don't question that Gabe Kapler is, is truly upset about the state of our country as everybody should be. But then when you don't do it, arguably, like you said, on a day where this routine is centralized as much as any other day on the calendar, except maybe July 4th, the patriotism shown on Memorial Day during baseball games is at the level of Independence Day, is as central to the broadcast as it is during Independence Day. Then when you don't do it on that day, well, then you have to wonder how disruptive Gabe Kapler is really willing to be from his position of power. You have to wonder how much how much comfort he's willing to sacrifice in order to make other people uncomfortable. I hope that he... I mean, we're recording this on Sunday. We won't know what actually comes of it. I hope that he turns, I hope that he reneges on this and I hope that he actually does continue the protest during yeah. Memorial Day. But I don't know if he will. Yeah, that's well put. And I think that the, I think that the points that he laid out in his blog post on, on why he was making this decision still ring true, right? You know, he, yeah. it's a, it's a questioning of the kind of blind jingoism that we participate in. When we stand for the national anthem, right, right. and a, and the, the exceptionalism that it reinforces, right, a lack of questioning of of what this country might actually stand for, and and what we're doing to back up those values outside of the baseball stadium. But like you said, if if you're only protesting when it's convenient, I uh, dare I say that's not a protest. That's it's suggesting that you would like to draw more attention to yourself in that moment than the actual issues that you you say you're trying to draw attention to. And so again, I I don't want to condemn him at this point. It's it's very early on, but when I was watching the the Reds when I was watching the Reds Giants game this morning and saw him standing with his his hand over his heart for God bless America in the seventh inning. I I have to wonder what he was thinking about in that moment because the 
the sentiments of that song are the exact same ones that run through the the national anthem. Even put even more plainly, maybe. It, yes, ex- exactly. Um, yes, I agree. Okay, Alex, let's take a quick break, and then when we come back, our very fun conversation with Steve Sladkowski from Pup. Okay, Alex, first guest in a long time. We are very excited to be joined by Steve Slidkowski of Pup. Steve, how's it going, man? Good. You got my last name. That's, I'm impressed. That's a nice do, start. Do people mix it up a lot? Oh, I thought yeah. about I thought about asking you how to pronounce it, but then I was like, it's probably just phonetic. Like everything's right there on the page, right. man. Yeah. I think a lot of people see like D and K next to each other in a like, and you're and then they're like, no, nah, I can't. Pop. Those have to one of those has to be silent. Right. Or there's uh, a sound in the middle there. Slad- Sladkowski. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But uh, but no, Sladowski is the one I get the most. Oh, they just skip like right over the K. And, yeah, there's no K there. The it's invisible just, K. Yeah. Uh, well, Alex, I, I imagine you probably get people messing your name up a lot, too. Or in school, like with the extra E. Basily, did you get that a lot? Yeah, people people did mess it up. Do mess it up. More often uh, the spelling, though, than, mm. the, than the actual pronunciation. It's often just drop drop an e you know they're like the e carries over after the z or before the z it's it's fine it works uh steve i don't often read quotes that people have said or written down back to them when we're interviewing them but i want to tell you about the moment that we decided we wanted you to come on tipping pitches it is an article in spin magazine previewing the 2022 baseball season and it is where you called the people who own baseball greedy scumbags who hate the game and its labor force um Mm -hmm. Can you tell us why you decided to use that platform to just take a take a little swipe at MLB owners? I mean, I don't give a fuck, mostly, <laughs> I think is the thing. <laughs> I can swear, right? Yes, of yeah. course. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. But that whole, that, that lockout was so cynical. Uh, and I don't know. I just think like, I've, Daniel from Spin um, has been kind enough to even when I say shit like that, just be like, yeah, you should, we should keep actually talking to you. Uh, so, you know, I think, I think kind of part of that is also knowing that like, you know, um, it's a safe kind of place to say it. Yeah. Uh, but also I do think like, I, I think labor, it's so easy to give a like, like Cole's notes version, uh, or sparks notes. I think they're called in the United States. Version of, uh, is this a Canadian yeah, thing? It's called, <laughs> it was called it was called Cole's Notes. It was this is like pump, breaking like the, news. Wow. Yeah, Holy yeah, shit. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh the like it's like it's and I feel like an introduction to like labor politics uh uh is so easy to be like if if someone likes baseball, you're like, it's very simple. Yeah. Owner bad, player good. <laughs> <laughs> like and then from there you can kind of answer all the questions that they might have. Uh, like, but he's a millionaire. It's like, yeah, but he's a billionaire. Right. I'm having right? flashbacks like, uh, to all of our all of our lockout discussions now, Alex. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean that lock, it was so just like, you know, uh tr- everyone loves transactions. And we were denied months of transactions because the owners were like, nah, I don't know. Uh, I don't think we make enough money. We should have more money. <laughs> uh, you know, and then you're like, okay, cool, great. Yeah. After after the two years that it, we've all gone through. The idea here is uh, ownership needs more money. I, that's great. I love it. 
Yeah, the the lockout was was obviously bad for many reasons, but it was it was I think largely bad for the owners because it gave baseball fans like like there was no distraction anymore, right? Yeah. Like we couldn't be forced to just talk about Garrett Cole's co- contract or or whatever it is, right? Or or yeah. uh Kevin Gaussman go into the the Jays or whatever, right? It was Which like Which I hey, forgot. I literally <laughs> forgot. <laughs> well, it's one thing when you know, like guys like me and Alex who have a podcast about labor and baseball are just coming on here to take shots at owners. But then they're getting in Spin Magazine. That that must have been when yeah. they decided, like, oh, we got to wrap this thing up. <laughs> yeah, that, I, yeah, that was me. I, listen, I didn't want to take credit for it. You did but, it, Steve. Uh, I, Thank you. Someone, someone has to. Yeah, that's right. Tell us about your your baseball origin story. How did you, oh, how'd you get so into the game? Boy, yeah. One of my earliest kind of childhood memories is I'm in my 30s. I'm 34. Uh, so one of my earliest kind of childhood memories is the, the 92 and 93 world series teams. Um, and I was like a kid, like a, you know, four or five kind of years old. Um, but I was like watching with my grandmother. Um, my dad played baseball for, for at quite a competitive level, but, um, it got to the point where my, my grandparents who were like immigrants to Canada, uh, uh, couldn't afford to like take him. He was playing for a team that was kind of playing closer to Windsor. Cause I guess they had some affiliation with Detroit and the Tigers. Uh, and um, they couldn't afford to like take him out there. Cause they worked, you know, factory jobs basically. Um, and he coached a little bit when I was a kid and I played and I played pretty competitively until I was about 18. Uh, like kind of, you know, playing like, like rep state level, whatever. What's the scouting uh, report? What's the, what's the quick elevator I pitch for, on Steve? I was uh, uh, high contact, uh, high on base percentage, uh, fast first nice. baseman. Wow, you don't oh, see those yeah. all flipping the narrative. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I like to tell people that like there's not that. It's actually not that big of a difference between me and Joey Votto, really. <laughs> if you think about it, like it's not. <laughs> um, you know, if you ignore all the big differences between us, uh, but yeah, so, so, you know, um, and then it was, it was a big bonding thing, obviously for my dad and I, um, uh, still is, we still go to games and watch games and all that stuff. Um, and yeah, I mean, the Jays were kind of an, in an interesting spot for a lot of like my kind of adolescence and like teenage years where it was like a lot of those kind of like the initial John Gibbons run, where like, you know, they were kind of a wildcard team and they were kind of good, but then it was like the Yankees and the Red Sox were just like the evil empire, the dual like evil empire. Um, uh, you know, so like I remember I got to watch Roy Halladay pitch day in and day out for uh, a, a decade, you know, like treat. basically Quite for the whole treat. time. He, yeah, what a, what yeah. Toy. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, you know, and it's like Just still throwing one of those complete where, game, complete game shutouts on a team that wins seventy games every year. Yeah, like like his complete game, uh, like one nothing losses. Yeah, yep. it was. You know, like uh, I remember like the Vernon Wells contract. I remember Lyle Overbay, uh, first baseman. I remember uh, wow. Troy Gloss. Remember Scott, some Scott guys. Rowland. Oh Our. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm. It's it's uh, you know David Roth has been like oh you remember some guys okay that's you can, yeah you can you can hang uh, it's nice but, when it's nice when the the king accepts you into his realm mm-hmm, and he says mm-hmm. david roth's like you can remember some guys yeah you might remember too many guys like john mcdonald you know we're, we can get weird but like um the, basically the, the like angry jays is what we call them the when they had the black jerseys yeah um josh towers uh but uh <laughs> 
you know, and, and then kind of, uh, it sort of shifted into this kind of place of like, for a long time, music was my hobby or like, you know, when I was in, in school, I did my degree in music, uh, and it, you know, nobody, there's no one I personally want to hang out with less than someone who can only talk about one thing. <laughs> and I <laughs> yeah. feel like, I feel like I, I got to that point in, in my life where, uh, music had was such a huge part of my life. Um, both from kind of like doing my education standpoint. And then as pup kind of started to, to grow, I was like, I can't, I cannot be that guy. And so that kind of brought me back in, um, to baseball kind of in the last 10, 12 years, not that I was ever out of it, but, but just being like, Oh, this absence of hobby can be filled <laughs> by being into baseball again. Um, and it was kind of just as the Jays were starting to make that, that sort of turnaround with, with Jose Bautista and Edwin Encarnacion and, you know, that sort of era. So it was kind of a nice, as the city was kind of coming up, you know, something like Drake, uh, when take care came out, renting out the sky dome, wearing that old, the black Jays cap, like in, in that music video, you know, it all, it kind of was a nice, uh, a nice way to, to enjoy the city and enjoy time hanging out with my parents and friends while I was kind of off the road. Now, are you, when you guys, because Pup is, is currently on tour, you guys are on a bit of a break right now, but you yeah. are, um, you're, I believe you're headed across the world next, right? Um, yeah. So are you... <laughs> feels um, feels insane, wild. Weird thing still. to say, Just, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Oh, yeah. How much are you really able to kind of like... Uh, stay up to date when you're when you're on the road. Like, are you are you on a bus? Like, checking score updates when you when you come off stage. Is it more casual? No, like it's kind of nice actually. Like, um, I have it on BTV, um, and some of the buses that we've been on have had uh, satellite, uh, which is crazy. Uh, but you know, they have the baseball packages and stuff usually on those because the drivers tend to want to watch stuff or the bands they have on are sports fans. Um, so yeah, I've been able to follow the Jays and, you know, in, in headlining slots, most of the time, like in North America, we're not on until closer to 10 PM. Right. So if the Jays are on the East coast, like I can sit and like watch the game kind of after dinner. Um, and then, you know, uh, even my bandmates who are not like particularly, um, avid baseball fans by any means, one of the cool things about kind of traveling, especially in the United States, traveling around is sort of like, uh, there's a lot of minor league baseball just on a day off, you know, you might be, might be in a town somewhere and you're like, Oh, it's actually a 20 minute drive to the stadium or whatever. We can go see a team. We're going to go try and see the Indianapolis triple a team, uh, when we're there and, and, you know, kind of, yeah, just keep an eye out. Dan, our tour manager is a, is a big baseball fan of St. Louis Cardinals guy. So he's also someone where like, whenever we need something from him in, in his office, he's got the Cardinals game on and he and I are nice. able to kind of, yeah, which funnily enough, we weren't roasting each other the last two days, even though the, the Jays and Cardinals were playing, because mostly we're just like, <laughs> I'm going to see you in a week. Like, we just need some time away from each other. <laughs> but um, yeah. I love the idea of a, a seventh inning bullpen blow up, like ruining the first couple songs of your set. Has that happened oh, yeah. to you before? <laughs> uh, n- no, like, I would say probably the, the worst, the most like agonizing was um, during the... Jay's second run to the ALCS when they lost to Cleveland a couple years ago, uh, uh, like having to go on those games starting a little bit later because they're yeah, like nationally like broadcast nas- games. Yeah. Prime mm-hmm. time. And it was just like, I, nah, 
you can't do this to me, you know, but like, no, there's nothing that the Jays, I feel like at this point, there's nothing that the Let's Jays Let's actually play a sped up version tonight, guys. We're going to play yeah, seven songs yeah, right? in 30 minutes. Yeah. I'm bringing my phone on stage and there are no refunds. Like, I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. Like, <laughs> Just shout out um, score updates to me, please. Yeah, people have done that. People in Boston, That's when cool. we were there, mm-hmm. people were, uh, people were telling us to score the Leafs game, you know? Mm. Uh, and it's one of those funny things where like, you don't want to make it about, I feel like there's still this idea that the like, the, there's like that it's like uh sometimes i feel like people think it's still a john hughes movie you know you're like oh like there are the jocks and the jocks can't be rockers and the rockers can't be preppy and you're like <laughs> everything is bad for everyone like i don't know why we're trying to distinguish between uh, any of this stuff you know i think like right uh I, I think it's 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 fine to have people who like rock bands uh also be into sports and not in fact uh, especially in baseball, we need all the non-douchebags, uh, both in the sport and outside of the sport, mm-hmm. <laughs> who, who uh, we, we could possibly uh, get at this point. I feel like there's a there's a healthy crossover between baseball fans and fans of not only just Pup, but like kind of this entire music scene that Pup lives in. Like yeah. based on just the people that we've met through doing this podcast, like I don't know what it is, but Alex and I were talking about this on the way to to your show in New York City, but is it just that like baseball fandom is pain and punk rock music just expresses that pain or what? <laughs> I mean, I, you know, in terms of like being emotionally wrecked by something that doesn't particularly like have any effect on your day-to-day life, uh, music and, and like baseball and that kind of punk rock world probably <laughs> have a lot in common. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I think, uh, I think there's also just something, um, like maybe, maybe it's pleasant, you know, just in terms of like the, the, the length of time, like there's a lot of downtime Yeah. Uh, that a baseball game, I feel like fills the same way that if you're at home on a Sunday, like having a game on a radio even like, or on the TV, but also like, I know that these are very niche things, but uh, you know, I, I, it's, yeah, I, I think probably it's the emotionally crushing <laughs> reality of it <laughs> like, i think you're reading i think you're reading is right you know i think i think there's also a sense there of you know a kind of political ethos that probably ties a lot of it together right we're obviously in a very um uh, you could call it a bubble um of of you like, keep doing this on- thing where you keep like doing the echo chamber spiel that feels like it lives in 2018 but i love this for you you're coming to it in 2022 <laughs> <laughs> while we're still here um that's fair you know of like of like vaguely like lefty like online baseball yeah. people right mm-hmm. and it feels like you know especially like punk music is very kind of rooted in that like wearing your heart on your sleeve of like politics right yeah and and that's certainly i think something that that you guys have brought to your music right i think i said i wouldn't even call, call it undertones on the most recent record there's a lot about um corporate overlords right um uh a, a thanking of the sponsors right so it's certainly not something you you guys have shied away from in your music and i get the sense that like i think there's probably a lot of fans who who can appreciate that and maybe have the same concerns about about baseball as they have about the rest of the world yeah i mean i appreciate that uh thank you you know i think i think it is kind of the thing like just even off the top being like it is a, a very accessible kind of entry point into 
talking about labor, talking about some of these kind of political things, unionization, which I mean, those t-shirts you two have made are amazing, but um, you know, I think like uh, it's, it's also one of those things where uh, for every example, we could probably hold up uh, to support that. There are a bunch of examples we could hold up within both of those worlds that completely negate it. Right. Um, But I do think like, being able to kind of show that it's easier than you think to kind of unlearn some of the worst uh, behaviors of like a a sports fan or of like a a kind of thoughtless concert going douchebag, you know, like, uh, and actually like it's, there's totally a space for people to feel like safe and welcomed and, and have a kind of progressive worldview while still enjoying this game, even though, um, you know, at its most kind of fundamental level, it like uh, recreating the kind of uh, culture of capitalism is something that has to be dealt with in some way, you know, like, um, but that doesn't mean like, well, like what then you like, what can you enjoy at that point? Exactly. <laughs> like, you know, I don't know. Yeah, you just kind of have to like hold space that you're also allowed to like, to like this thing and enjoy this yeah. thing and just because you do and put your money towards it so that you can enjoy it it's not your fault like yeah what you said about you know touring and being in a lot of minor league towns i think strike strike a chord with me because that how different is minor league baseball in all these small different places than like a, a big tour or like a tour that you go on when you're early in your career where you're going to all of these small towns like you're doing it for a few hundred people minor league baseball players are putting on an exhibition for a few hundred people and essentially like they're doing it so that they can get called up to the majors but so are a lot of bands doing it so they can play bigger venues and and have more fans and get to make more music and that kind of thing and yeah. I, I do think there is sort of a communal aspect to the two things that maybe makes it more of an obvious linkage for why you might like both than it would appear on its face totally and i think even like you know even something as kind of like there was that post about um uh, the food, right. The, the minor leaguers, some of the meals that they were getting. And that's like, not so different from some of the stuff that we've encountered when the, when the venue's like, we have food for you. <laughs> Here's a like, one slice I, of bologna on two pieces of yeah, bread. Right. Like, you know, um, like here's pasta that we like, there's the tomato sauce is actually ketchup, right? Like whatever. Uh, I, I do think that, that, that you, you kind of any, anywhere where you can kind of pull that curtain back, whether it be, you know, in some of those songs that kind of we worked on with the new record or, or kind of posts like that, where you're like, here's the reality. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I think it's good. I think it makes people appreciate both um, what it takes to kind of get to a level where you are playing in front of thousands of people, uh, whether that's on the field or on a stage and, and also kind of like, just like how, how exploitative by kind of nature uh, these industries are. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Alex has assembled a spreadsheet of walk-up songs and seeing as you are a musician, we do want to ask you about walk-up songs. But before we do, we need to talk about your walk-out song for the New York <laughs> City show, which was Heart of a Champion by Nelly. Uh, how, do you guys, how do you guys select music like that? Is it the same process that you think... that? Do you think it's the same process as a baseball player selecting a walk-up song? Yeah, I mean, uh, sometimes we will we'll do things like that are a little bit more... Uh, tied to the performance. So, you know, for, for a while there, uh, walking on to um, Round Ball Rock, mm-hmm. um, we had figured out that it was, it ended on a chord that was relative to the opening of Morbid Stuff, 
Oh, okay. So, so we would like hit the end chord in time with the walk on music and then start morbid stuff, you know? So there's some, some of that. Yeah. And then I think other times there's just stuff that we think is really goofy that like doesn't go over well. Like, um, do you remember that like YouTube clip that went, went viral, uh, that was like, uh, the 20th century Fox theme, but someone played it shittily on a flute. (laughs) Remember that we like, we like thought it would be so funny to walk out to that. And people were just like, what the fuck? are you doing like <laughs> you know so sometimes it's it's about like trying to to sync it as part of this kind of show and, and as part of the production and other times it's just like who's got the dumbest idea um which like still to 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 me is not dumber than what ben zobris did like which was what <laughs> had his wife's song oh 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 <laughs> Yes. And it was so fucking bad. It's so <laughs> that song is so bad. Like, I can't okay. believe it. Well, it makes it even worse knowing the the context around uh, Absolutely. what happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like forty five percent of walkout songs, walk up songs in baseball are pretty pretty bad. Like they're just like you know the wrong part of a country song. Forty five percent of the time, you know, like that. That was the thing about like. Uh, I think Jose Bautista did it so well walking out to Drake, right? It was right at that time when like, you know, trophies and, and big rings, like sometimes it's just like a guy like Bautista is like, I know this is my city. Mm -hmm. Like, even though this is a hockey town, this is my city, you know? And like, here's how, cause I'm the guy walking out to Drake, like, uh, Stuff like that sometimes is really compelling, and I think I think it's great, you know. But then it was like, yeah, Justin Smoke would walk out to like the just worst country song. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, you I, can't I, hit a curveball. Who cares? <laughs> like, uh, I appreciate when the players put you know a similar level of like thought into it as as you guys might, um, you know, walking out to a song where you can time the chords or something like that. Um, or or one or, that will uh, remind everybody of of their high school lifting playlist, like Heart of a Champion, yeah. <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> well, like, well, like you have like like Bay Area players who are like walking out to to like Mac Dre, yeah, right? Yeah. I'm like, oh, like shout out, you know, um, or uh, or or Yu Chang on uh, the Cleveland Guardians walking out to crank that Soldier Boy, right? Because right. it has that like amazing. opening, you know. It's like this is. You you put just the right amount of of thought into it, but like what what makes the the ideal walk up song for you? You know, is it like like if if you're a baseball player, or even back in your baseball player days, right? Because I know this is something that everyone who has ever played baseball has has thought about at some point. Yeah, what is God. what is the the kind of thing that like really gets you gets you in the mood? I I feel like it has to be up tempo, or it has to be something that just like like I think the ultimate thing is like having something that is now associated with it's like no one can use enter Sandman anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Like, like that is, that is like the ultimate where you're like, you are so good and people are so afraid of you that your song can't be used in baseball anymore. Cause if someone were to use enter Sandman, they'd be like, stolen they'd be persona, they get, they get, yeah, they'd be persona non grata <laughs> in New York city. Right. Like, like, um, uh, you know, so I think that's kind of the thing as to what, uh, like now, am I supposed to give you one here? Well, if I, you want, if, I mean, you don't need to be put on the spot gosh. too much, but, it, but yeah. Yeah. you had to have uh, thought about it. You had to have thought about it. I'm trying to think like, 
I do think it would be something like very nerdy, right? Like, <laughs> like it would be like a, it'd be like Rush or something, you know, it'd be like oh, something nice. like Titanically just like <laughs> he's walking out to YYZ. It's in like seven and there are, there's, it's an instrumental and like the audience like can't really bop their head to <laughs> it. Like, you what know? the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just like the like brain worms version of walking out to like journey or something. I don't know. Right. Like, right. You know. I think my answer um, at one point was limelight, which I mean, like right. the, rush song, you you know. Know. the, the yeah. drums come in and everybody's fucking into it. Even if they don't know the yeah. song. Yeah. I, I, uh, we, my bandmates and I've talked about this a little bit, but like, you like to think that your, your taste has sort of like, uh, as you've grown up, like evolved or changed. Oh yeah. Uh, and then you're like, you know, for Stefan, he was like, yeah, but then my chemical romance announced a uh, reunion tour. And I and spent not only, $300 per ticket. Yes. Well, he's like, yeah, not only am I like bothering our agent to be like, get me tickets for this, please. Uh, also, I, how do we open this show? Like, this is all I want to do. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> like, if you're going to open a My Chemical Romance show, can you please open the one in LA? I yeah, bought tickets I, I in wish. LA and uh, it was supposed to be obviously for 2020 and they've now pushed it back two years. I no longer live in LA, so I have to fly back for yeah. the show. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, unfortunately, we won't be opening any of the shows, but that's okay. I'm going to, I choose to, 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 say that it's not for any any uh any reason other than it just like it couldn't happen it didn't work and not yet. me right. being drunk once and telling frank that i had never heard of my chemical romance <laughs> did, well, you play did. did you play a show with him we put we did a tour with with frank and thursday frank has like a solo band with yeah. thursday and and frank it, it was lovely it was really a fun tour uh, and at the last show i was like i was like listen frank <laughs> i don't really know the band very well. And he, his wife was there. They thought it was hilarious. I is uh, goofy. There's a lot of goofy stuff that's happened like that where I'm like, ah, if I were an anxious person, this would be bad. Like, <laughs> like uh, I would be laying awake at night. Like, ah, fuck. you know, but no, no, we still, we still, yeah. Frank's cool. Frank's been a uh, uh, real supportive in the DMS and, and, and whatever. Is is there a pup song that you think would like fit yeah. well? That was my next question. As a okay. as a walk up song. Uh, actually, uh, when Mark Burley was still pitching for the Jays, uh, there was a start that he had in Toronto, and they played Lionheart while he was walking wow. off the field. Wow, uh, which was cool. So yeah, apparently somebody in in Jays game ops. Uh, says yes, and and maybe it's Lionheart, which is funny because it's Stefan tweeted this the other day. He was like, "That that song is not; those lyrics are nonsense." He was like going back. <laughs> we were like talking about old songs to try and learn, and he was like, "What the fuck? What was I thinking?" You know. Uh, but yeah, no, yes, Lionheart. Res- I don't know. I feel like I feel like it's one of those funny things where, like, again, people sort of are like, "Oh." you're like a rock band that people like, and you've been kind of upfront about enjoying sports. Uh, you know, whether that be like Stefan is a big Leafs fan. I wore a Raptors jersey on stage for a long time. Uh, and then the Jays stuff, whatever. Surely these songs work in, in video games, which is so funny because like, I remember that as like a hallmark of like the show, right. Or like, ESports, oh, yeah. like NHL games and stuff. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, it's bizarre to now be like on the other side of that where, where I'm like, Oh, I'm, it like I'm in a that's I'm 
there. That's weird. <laughs> I, and, and I don't play any of these games anymore. That's the funniest part. I know. It's like I I don't play video games anymore, and uh, was well, never really the any two good of us at play them. enough for all three of us. So it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. It's an interesting question about the walk up song because. You obviously want to please the crowd. There's 40,000 people there. They have to enjoy the song. That's that's an important part of a walk-up song. It's not just for you. You know, it's not like your headphones before the game. But you also want to get hyped for your your at-bat. But you yeah. also want to seem like kind of cool, you know? Like, you don't yeah, want to pick the no. most obvious song. You want to pick like the third or fourth most obvious song. Yeah. So that everybody no, still true. knows it, but everybody knows that you didn't choose, you know, like, Headline by Drake or something. Yeah. Like that. Like, it's too I, I feel like... I feel like there are the, there's like a good like subsection. I'm trying to think of who it was on the Jays, but there's like anytime there's like a good sense of humor, yeah, like where they're like playing something that's obviously ridiculous. So they're kind of like taking the piss out of it a little bit. The crowd kind of gets it, and you're like, and you probably like this song, and you think like, yeah, it is funny that I'm walking out to, you know, uh, Space Cowboy by Casey Musgraves or something. But like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like I don't know, you know, like. Um. Uh. But yeah, I, I I do think there's there's that angle that can be taken. Yeah, uh, Wilmer, Wilmer Flores walking out to the Friends theme song because that was exactly well known that that was <laughs> right? his favorite show. Yeah. Well, like um, like Josh Reddick for the longest time walked out to Careless Whisper. Right. By that's George the one Michael. I was trying to. That's <laughs> right. the one I was yeah. trying to think of. I was like, it's it's someone from Oakland and not he who shall not who shall not be named. Right. Like, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, Reddick. That was it. That was it. Yeah. Because then they yeah. would do the sax thing and the, you know. Yeah. Right. And then it becomes a bit and it kind of takes exactly. on a life, a life exactly. of its own, right? Yeah. Yes. We, yeah. Need, we need more of that in baseball and music, yeah. I'd say. Yeah. Alex, doing bits. More doing bits. More bits. <laughs> we don't need more bits here. But in baseball <laughs> yeah. in general, it's probably Yeah, good. in baseball we do. Yeah. Alex, uh, what, what, are the, what were the big takeaways for you putting together this spreadsheet of walk-up songs? Maybe we can have Steve analyze them and, and decide where the music industry is headed because of this. Oh my god! <laughs> well, um, big lots of lots of Kanye representation. Obviously, okay. he's the sure. most represented among walk walk up songs. I mean, I think maybe not what struck me because this is if you think about it, it makes sense. But just because of the uh, disproportionate representation of latin american players in baseball there's like a lot of um latin music right like Mm -hmm. like daddy yankee is in the top five and now like bad bunny i mean and some of their songs are just like perfectly suited to like get you in the mood right yeah Uh, like the instant hook of them yes yeah well and and it's so obvious like sorry to i don't mean to cut up but it's like no 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 go there was a summer there where the sort of like cumbia kind of backbone of like latin american pop music was you know like despacito was a huge song yep. not because of bieber yeah right mm-hmm. right it was because the version of, without of, him was playing right. everywhere he, so yeah too. yeah and it's because of like the, the, the there's such a like a deep appreciation of dancing in a in a lot of kind of like spanish language pop music that that it just crosses over so naturally yeah yeah i Yohan Moncada walks out to his own song, which I I just I deeply admire that. He's trying to get now, more Spotify plays. Well, this is the thing is like you if most at, at the arena level, most of them do have to pay out royalties. Yeah. Right. So like that is uh kind of like a goofy. Is this a CBA violation? Business move. Yeah, right. Like, but like 
Yohan is double dipping for sure. And he should double dip, you know? (laughs) Wow. Is this way, is Yohan Mankata walking out to his own song actually Praxis? <laughs> yeah, exactly. There we go. That's a that feels like a Patreon only bone. Like that's a bonus episode, maybe. I don't know. That's a little deep. Like, <laughs> um yeah, the the rest of the list is probably I as relatively boring as you can imagine, right? Like like Drake's up there too. Drake Drake's oh, yeah. in the in the top five. There, there are some players who walk out to like B.O.B. and wow. and like all time low. Yeah, we have to remember wow. that you a lot are of... just living your your best 2007 life right well, now. Well, think about it. Like we're 26, Alex. The the mm-hmm. MLB peak is 27. So a lot of the guys who make up the bell curve of Major League Baseball right now were in middle school at the same time as us. They're hitting so... nostalgia. They're hitting the nostalgia uh, window. Yeah, exactly. There's maybe yeah. there's going to be a pop punk wave for Walk That Song soon. <laughs> let's <laughs> go. Be... <laughs> yeah, let's go. Just let's... sitting there waiting. <laughs> yeah. I need whoever the 15 year old kid that likes pop and throws somehow throws 80 miles an hour and can throw a changeup and a slider. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll start. We're, we'll start working on that campaign. We should make in. that our mission. Yeah, we should yeah. put that on mm-hmm. a shirt or something. We could sell that at our merch <laughs> store. <laughs> Walk up to a pup song. <laughs> That's right. Um, I think "Losing My Religion" is is now my walk up song. Now that we've talked it through, now that I've thought about it, I think that that I wow. think that I might go to that. That's just you're, instantly you're, recognizable. But like, not not like any like not. It's the end of the world as we know it. Like, well, there, yeah. there's a lot. Like, Aryan was on the other day, and like, I was in the hardware store or something, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this one." And I feel like R.E.M. is one of those bands where I'm like, damn. Whatever the last song that you heard from them, you're like, this is their masterpiece, basically. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, Radio Free Europe? Hell yeah. <laughs> I won. <laughs> um, all right. Well, Steve, we don't want to take up the rest of your evening. You've been so gracious with your time and we've we've enjoyed talking to you so much. Um, we want to let you let people know where they can come see Pup if you're coming through their cities, potentially. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, we hear you guys um, dropped an album recently. We did, where yeah, where yeah, they can on, find on, the album that you are uh, currently touring. You can find it in record stores uh, and on internet uh, streaming services. Uh, you, There are some of you listening who will probably steal it. That's probably fine. I <laughs> don't get too mad about it now because uh, I'm sort of living in the aftermath of the music industry that I helped create by being an avid Napster user. So I can't get so mad. Um <laughs> Uh, but uh, you should pay for your content, all that to say. Uh, we will be on the road starting next week. I have to look up where we're going because I ne- don't know what day it is. Uh, I was on time for this, though, and that's a win. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll be uh, next next month. We're in uh, throughout kind of the Midwest and a little bit in the South. We're in Cleveland and in Royal Oak and in Cincinnati and Milwaukee. Some Major League Baseball towns, Indianapolis, Kansas City. Cincinnati. St- I can recommend the Pup Show instead of a Reds game. <laughs> I yeah, can promise yeah, you the Pup yeah. Show is going to be more entertaining and yeah. a better product. Uh, my fiance's family is going to be at that show, so please come uh, and just make it seem like oh, it's really uh, great. Uh, yeah, we'll be in Nashville, uh, and then we'll be kind of uh, back in the United States uh, this this fall. Uh, we'll be all over the place in Europe, in Australia. Uh, it still feels I, those flights are booked. I know I'm going, but it feels weird. Um, and then if you want to he- see me tweet uh, deranged things about uh, Major League Baseball, see me. Uh, read, I suppose, is, is more 
it's a podcast. It's an audio medium. Uh, 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 I'm at Sladko, S-L-A-D-K-O-W, as we kind of said at the beginning. Uh, um, and uh, Puppet Band is around on on the internet as well. All right. Steve Sladkowski from Pup. Go check out Pup's all their music, their new record, their old records, all of it. Um, if they're coming through your town, consider going to their concert. It's a great time. Alex and I had quite a bit of fun. Steve, thanks so much for coming on Tipping Pitches, man. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm sure I'll see you guys again soon. Okay. Thank you to Steve. Thank you to Pup for putting on a wonderful show. If they're coming through your town and you like their music or you think you might like their music, check out the new record. Maybe check them out in concert. What a fun time to get back to live music. Uh, Thank you also, Alex, to five more members of our Alex Rodriguez VIP club tier on Patreon. Those five members this week are Mike, Justine, Neil, Kyle, and Tony. Five of many who have signed up for that top tier. We're so thankful for everybody's support. Um, As a reminder, that top tier gets you access to the Tipping Pitches Slack, a Tipping Pitches yearly holiday card, Tipping Pitches live Q&As, a Tipping Pitches newsletter. Just, Just so much Tipping Pitches for you. And it's just $12 a month if you have it to spare. And if not, those other two tiers are there for you. $5, $7, whatever you can contribute. And if you can't, that's okay too. Listening is all we really need and all we really ask from you. And maybe sharing it with a friend. Telling them, hey, you might like this podcast too. I like this podcast. You might like this podcast too. The real, the real Patreon is the, the friends that we made along the way, you could say. No, the real Patreon is the <laughs> patreon.com backslash tipping pitches where you can <laughs> sign up and give us money so that we could maybe do this podcast full time one day. That's the real Patreon. But but the metaphorical Patreon is the friends we made along the way. Yes. As always, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you would like to call in with a listener question, drop us a voicemail at 785-422-5881. You can also slide into our DMs on Twitter at tipping underscore pitches. Or if you're going for the long form question, shoot us an email, tippingpitchespod at gmail.com. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back in your feeds in one week. And I don't know if I can do it. Oh, no, I said too much. Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm Alex Rodriguez. Tipping pitches. Tipping pitches. This is the one that I love the most. Tipping pitches. So we'll see you next week. See ya!